full admission here. When you sent me, I think, I think you told either told me or sent me a text. Mm-hmm. And what is? How do you say this? Barbenheimer, Barbieheimer. Yeah, it's it's the the phenomenon as it's become is Barbenheimer. So it's like a mashup of okay. Oppenheimer, Barbie, okay, well, Barbie. Okay, well, I definitely misspelled it. So I have Babyheimer on here. So I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> on the i couldn't remember but when you said that i was or when you sent it i was just what what is he talking about i have no clue what he yeah, means so it, and then when like, you, you refreshed my memory and i was like, oh okay yeah 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 i didn't know that there was official label title for this well it's yeah it's not official but it's one of those it's it's become a medic it's it's an yeah. online sensation as people will say once it was announced that both of these films were coming out on the same day yeah what we were denied with a couple years ago with the the keanu reeves day there was originally it was supposed to be matrix four and john wick four were supposed to release on the same mm-hmm. day and everybody yeah, yeah, got yeah. all hyped up saying they were going to do keanu reeves day but then they switched it you know, everything with the whole mess that happened everything got changed up yeah it is it, there is a little a bit of an interesting studio thing. Nolan split from Warner Brothers after Tenet. Oh, wait, wait, what? Hang so, on, sidebar. What happened after Tenet? So Tenet didn't do well in theaters for a number of different reasons. But that reasons. too, I mean, I, I feel that was more of covid issue but i mean well i mean also there were a lot of people that had issues with the movie itself a lot of people didn't like it okay it's probably his most contested film to date also there was a hard push with hbo max Mm -hmm. because they wanted to push it right out onto the platform and he wanted typical nolan didn't want to ruin his theatrical run that's what he's all about and there was big big differences there and he broke from the studio i wish i could do that Let's just break from the studio. I'm, I think he's much more at home at Universal anyway, so I'm, I'm excited for his future there. That's good. Yeah. So is Oppenheimer officially from, or is it a Warner Brothers release? I, I don't no, remember. Oppenheimer, he he started workshopping that with Universal pretty much okay. right from the go. Right after right after the whole Tenet situation happened in 2020, he, he broke from them and started a new project with them. And that's that was the <laughs> talk about a bad time to break on Warner Brothers Park because this is his big one. Yeah. But. My God. So yeah, this is this is definitely well, this is definitely going to be your wheelhouse because I you you read the book. Yeah, I mean I've I've followed Greta too for a long time, and it's really really cool to see her finally hitting a stride with this release. I mean, it's so clear that she's she had a vision for this one, and even with Mattel being so in the depth with it, they're launching a Mattel verse with this. So there's gonna there's already for sure going to be a Hot Wheels movie, ton more for sure. So we'll see where that all goes. That seems to be the thing. Do you think that's still? Do you think that has past in terms of the the universe thing that studios seem to want now the cinema the whole cinematic universe yeah no i think we're gonna see a lot more of it a lot more of it yeah we're now getting the nintendo verse we're getting the spoilers for the latest transformers installment what's it the hasbro verse through transformers just launched after <laughs> they dropped a hint with their post-credits scene in the last film they dropped that they're doing a hasbro toy mr potato head gi joe gi joe that's what it was gi joe bi- oh yeah yeah right. there was a big gi joe tie-in in the last one so we'll see it that'll be interesting where they go with that but yeah so yeah it just it blew up online it was this huge everyone wanted to double feature barbie and oppenheimer because i think it just seemed such an absurd pairing of, of movies. Oh, it definitely is. But I think it's it's interesting because from trying to understand it and wrap your head around it, I think it is you're getting two very unique films from two top level currently working filmmakers and then from two of the biggest studios. So I think there's something to a lot of that. I think it's people want to see these both of these succeed. So 
I think I think that's pretty cool. I think it's and I think the the vast differences in theme too. I think just make it kind of funny and entertaining just to, to double feature these. Uh, it should be. Well, I have, I have to say I saw the trailer for Barbie and I didn't know I had that was the first thing I saw. I didn't know yeah. what to expect after watching that. Of course, trailers are supposed to make you want to go see the movie, but that actually made me want to go see it. Yeah, I, I oh, what's his name? Gosling just looks so funny in it. Margot looks so funny in it. Just seeing that two of them paired up is going to be fun. No, I think the casting has worked out at least so far from what i can tell yeah say, before i've seen it take yeah and i i think this this unique pairing of films is just something that's a bit strange but at the same time super intriguing it's blown up online a lot of people are showing a lot of interest in double featuring this strange pairing so i you know, i think it's going to be make for an interesting movie going summer this is definitely the biggest i think with oppenheimer we're seeing the biggest imax release of the probably the year if not at least the summer mm-hmm. so it's i think that's that's going to be an interesting I, interesting experiment seeing the yeah, two of them will, together i do agree again and coming from when I saw the, an Oppenheimer trailer too, I was kind of surprised that it actually got from to, for me a tangible, audible reaction in the theater. Yeah, credit wasn't a packed theater, but I was oh wow, people are actually there's actually an emotional reaction happening in, in front of me that I'm a part of for the Oppenheimer trailer, and I was really people actually are interested in seeing this. I the cynic that I am sometimes I thought oh this is it's a biopic it's history yeah it's a biopic of someone that probably most people don't even know about I was surprised I mean I don't even know much about I just know the name Wow, really? I would have thought you'd have been a big buff of the No, yeah, no. I love the I love the World War 2 history, but I never went into the Manhattan Project hunt. I don't oh, know okay. why. Well, that's very interesting cuz I I think you are going to get a lot out of this. All right, I'm ready. It is a very very fascinating piece of history. I think I think a lot of people don't know a lot of what went on through especially through the Manhattan Project, but through Oppenheimer's life and especially the the latter portion. I don't want to get too into it cuz I don't the movie is coming out. I don't want to spoil yeah. things, but he had a very interesting life. I don't know obviously I don't, at this point given the time that we're releasing this, I don't know exactly what the movie will cover but given that they're basing it off of the the biography i think there's a lot that they'll pull from in the in the book but i mean he was he was a very smart kid he was overly overly educated and couldn't get enough he just he kept wanting to do more and more topics in schooling and he even went and led a conference that he wrote letters to and they mistook him for an elder scientist who knew what he was talking about because he was he was so articulate in his letters that he wrote for to jump out and join in this conference that they let him keynote speak (laughs) and he's 12 year old kid so I, I thought that that was very early on in the book. Yeah, I, think I did not know that, yeah. Interesting little tidbit, but I think it's a smart piece of history to bring up at this point. I think with a lot of the rise in tech, I think there's a lot of fear of knowledge in the same way that there was around the time. I think there's, I think it's very topical for this time for global concerns as well, and I think there's a lot of interesting conversations to be had. Dredging up this history and having a lot of people get interested and research it on their own, look into it, and I think it's one that's, that's worth people's time. Yeah, nice. So do you think this Am I saying it? Correct me if I'm saying this wrong again. Barbenheim, right? Yeah. No, you got Barbenheim. it. Barbenheim. <laughs> okay. Not Babyheim. Barbie. <laughs> it's just one too many hits with a snake. I'd for, I've, I keep going back. I, and when you say Barbieheimer, I go back to uh, think of the thing, the, the claw thing from Toy Story. <laughs> for some reason, that's what pops into my head. <laughs> the weird, oh, the weird, you think the thing from Sid's room. Yeah, exactly. The, the creepy the looking thing. Head. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God, that is, yeah. Anyway, 
So was this, I guess, was this on purpose, you think, by the studios? Or wait, is it, are they both coming? They're not coming both from the same studio, are they? Oh, no. Barbie is a Warner Brothers, and Oppenheimer is a Universal release. Okay. So this was, was this just pure coincidence then, the release? I, I don't know time? that it was coincidence. I mean, obviously, studios playing their stuff around. Yeah, given given the break with Warner Brothers and, and Christopher Nolan, I mean, it's certainly plausible that there was some strategy behind it. So starting with Barbie and... and- and Greta Gerwig here. Yeah, so get, I to get I, back on track. I, I I took us off track. No, you're you're fine. Yeah, I've I've always been fascinated with Greta. She's she's been an interesting one to watch, kind of rise up the ranks. I was I was aware of her as an actress, but kind of loosely. She worked a couple times with Noah Baumbach. Notably, she did a film that I I first I think was the first time she blipped on my radar was a film called Greenberg that she did with Noah Baumbach as director and Ben Stiller as her co-star. And it was kind of an interesting, just kind of indie kind of comedy feel. It was kind of quirky and nerdy kind of subject matter uh, that struck a chord with me and I thought it was a good one but then she went on and started slowly directing after she had the early portions of her career where she built up a bit of an acting portfolio and she did a film with Saoirse Ronan called Lady Bird that I thought was really yes. cool if I remember correctly that was a A24 I think it was but it was, it was just a goofy off the wall coming of age comedy for Saoirse Ronan's character and it was just a Fun, great little film. One of the ones that was the first big blip on the radar for Saoirse Ronan climbing up the ranks, building her career. She's obviously a well-established actress now. I still uh, think that has one of the funniest openings, but in oh such God, a surreal yeah. way. When the, her, her and the mom are in the car. Just, yeah, she just leaps out. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. She just, you just don't, it, it starts as a, as a very ordinary scene. It's okay, familiar, we're in the car. But I don't know if I was supposed to be laughing at that. Yeah. But I, I do remember being, because I was just so, I was not expecting that at all. Yeah, it was one of those ones, I think it just threw a lot of great little comedic curveballs at you. And I, that, that style of comedy where it's just kind of, you don't know what to expect or what. Yeah. Uh, but that's, she kind of has that, that that fresh indie style. And that's why I think I'm so interested in her being the one to take this on because it, it is a big studio movie. And then you take this very independent minded filmmaker and put them in that mix and that's always such an interesting chemical combination that i'm in for and that and that seems to be does that tend to happen often right now where they'll take i don't want to say an unknown director because i don't think but more of an underdog yeah but more of an or someone who's done smaller film and then say here let's the studios be let's here let's see what you can do with a bigger tentpole type movie i don't think that's obviously a riskier move so i don't think that it's one that's as common it does happen okay i think i think because the times that it does really strike gold. I think studios recognize is worth taking the risk every now and then. Mm-hmm. But I think in this, I think in this instance, for the marketing, is any kind of indication? I I thought it was really interesting. The first trailer that they put out, it was. I think it came out right around the time you and I had done, or at least, or we were talking Kubrick, talking two thousand one. Yeah. <laughs> they came out with it, and the, that first trailer was this gigantic homage to 2001 it was just the whole opening sequence with the monolith and then the light emerges that the monolith is the barbie box and i thought that's clever i i think that it's going to be very goofy very fun and something very very different so i'm excited for that well i'm glad to see too that films are still paying homage to past films when they can and when when they feel it's appropriate so that's good to know that some of these things are still surviving into the into the modern day so she is she she had a couple of great breaks early on in her career and what i thought was interesting is a couple of her first early gigs her namesake characters are named after her so it does feel she kind of knew somebody but Mm -hmm. for that to happen to be written in as a character name but she definitely had a lot of smaller roles early on in her career she did a lot of short film stuff And, and she started out as an actress yeah she had she she still does. I mean, she still has a couple of roles coming up that she she does perform. She she's she's been in a couple of music videos and things. She's kind of 
not necessarily a one trick. She she does a bit of everything. And she's done a fair bit of writing as well. But I, th- I think her directing credits are really starting to set her apart because she is a talented director. Mm-hmm. And I think I think especially with this release, I think she's going to start to break out in that category and you will see a lot more from her. I didn't I didn't realize and I don't know if you mentioned this just a bit ago. I didn't realize she was in the Mumblecore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, films. That's yeah. Yeah, she's had a couple of series that she's done some short runs on. You know, she's she's been a, a bit all over the place, but in the best way possible. She she's done a, a number of big films at this point that she's just popped up in. She was in Isle of Dogs, which I thought was super cool. It's I mean obviously through Sersha she has the connection to Wes, but yeah. I think her she only has a number of directorial credits at this point, but I think the ones that she does have are interesting, interesting choices and interesting projects. Do you think from what you've seen her do and and you've seen more, I think the only ones I've seen of hers is Lady Bird. I've definitely seen more of her performances. Okay. Like like I said, I mean her, her acting portfolios much, much more at this point, but landing Barbie, I think is, is going to be a big jump forward in her career because I think a lot of people are going to take more notice of her. Whereas she, I mean, not that she wasn't noticed before, but this is definitely a bigger step in her career. So since, so definitely early on in the directorial stage of her career. Yeah. So what would you say, I mean, just going off of what you've seen from a, a cinematography standpoint, does she tend to favor certain styles right now that you can tell, or is it still, or can, do you need more to decide? on that yeah yeah i think i think she's she's still kind of she's crafting she's getting there and i think lady bird had is i think the biggest note for her style at this point it did have a bit of an indie flair but i mean it was from a24 so that you couple that in as well that come the the territory of that they tend to have that independent big budget independent flair i think is kind of their their signatures so. yeah okay but yeah looking looking into barbie itself i think it looks to have that that insane level of ensemble cast going on it seemed i i did want to bring up as well i'm not sure if you heard it, uh, about the roscoe paint shortage shortage <laughs> resulted roscoe no what, what's this so roscoe that makes a lot of paint that is used by film sets but to make the gigantic set for barbie they built the entire barbie Dreamhouse universe for real they built it practically whereas they probably oh, could shit. they actually built it practically yeah and it's they had people wow. touring it because it was so massive and <laughs> they used so much pink paint in crafting that set <laughs> they created a shortage globally <laughs> people couldn't oh, get their my. hands on it <laughs> Which I thought was really funny. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Leave it to Hollywood to do something like that. I think it's going to be a great, great comedy. I, I'm just in for some fun with that one. I know, definitely. And you know me, I'm picky yeah. with my stuff, especially when it comes down to. Well, I'm picky with the story. I don't know for you. I'm sure if something's not being shot right. Oh yeah. If I find something in the, in the writing that I, I'm oh man, it gets to me. I'm, I, I'm it, sure. Yeah, I I think honest to God, I think if sound is off, it gets to me more first. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Yes, I've seen I've seen a couple recently that just had really bad mixes that just it got under my skin, and I think that that will bug me quicker than bad cinematography, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but the one the one that did kind of blow me away for cinematography lately, I went to see the Boogie. Man. And oh, okay. That one, that one surprised me. I don't. Not that I wasn't expecting anything good from it, but it it really utilized light well. I think was the mm-hmm. big blow away there. But yeah, there's been there's been a lot of good stuff lately, and I think it's getting tougher and tougher to keep up because there's just so much good content out there. It's mm-hmm. it's almost impossible to watch all of it. I've only ever seen Lady Bird, her yeah. directing one. I am definitely not the authority. Well, I'm not the authority on anything. I'm just some friggin' guy in his basement. <laughs> not even my basement. Yeah, it's just kind of, I just dug a ditch, said, this is it. This is where I am. 
then proceeded to plot my way of taking over the world. Hasn't happened yet, though. Still, I'm, I'm, work, I'm working on the 60-year plan. <laughs> he has a five-year plan. <laughs> yep. But no, I, I got I to gotta say, I wasn't too convinced on seeing it, but I got to say that trailer, I was okay. This, this actually does look entertaining, and it looks solid. It looks like this as well. I have told a few people that I'm going to see it, and... <laughs> I did get some weird reactions from people. Why are you interested in going to see Barbie? That doesn't make any sense. You clearly haven't looked into it at all. (laughs) I think it's kind of an extension of the same kind of humor of the Lego movie. Uh, Okay, okay. I, I think it's it's a bit of a loose connection, but I think having Will Ferrell in there as the big business guru is Lord definitely indicates to me that it's they're stabbing at a similar area of humor. And that is a good, especially the first one, though, I yeah. think had a really good type of humor going on. Yeah, I think I think that Phil Lord and Chris Miller, I think that they're they're doing a good job. I think that they've been putting a lot of good stuff together. I mean, even through Spider-Verse, mm-hmm. obviously wildly successful. So I think those two guys are, are doing stuff. Yeah, it looks it again, just going off of what i've seen but it looks like it's been made with good intent and they're not trying to just necessarily just slap the name barbie on it and see if it sells no yeah and i, th- I think a lot of thought went into what they were going to do with it because i think that there were a lot of ways it could have gone wrong it seems like they have it on a right track to pull in a lot it's grabbing at a lot of different demographics now is barbie i guess barbie's still i never barbie was big when we were growing up i guess barbie's mm-hmm. still pretty big toy wise i think so but i mean barbie was big even before us but i guess it's still going strong i would imagine i would imagine too but i'm certainly no barbie authority i mean maybe one day i'll take out my collection no <laughs> um, i still have some gi joes though i think yeah somewhere maybe maybe after this there'll be a crossover with gi ken gi ken <laughs> so was this this is this going to be an imax too or no I guess not. Ah, the new Barbie movie was shot with. Ah, so if you do the double feature, I guess would you would you have to see both in IMAX? Oh yeah, because they're both going to be in IMAX then. I think. Yeah, I mean, I if, if you can if you can find. A, I was going to say, can you even find that'll both? show both? That's going to yeah. be the trick. <laughs> yeah, that would probably be the issue. Can you find both doing it? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, we actually were just looking today. The waterfront might be out of their IMAX theater might be out of commission for the release. So. Wait, what do you mean out of commission? It's, I mean they currently have it roped off, so they're. Do, I think that they're refitting their projector in there and like yeah. it's out of service. Yeah, and it may we may not even be able to see it in IMAX. Here. What? That is the first time. I mean, I've heard of things breaking and stuff. But I've never heard of a theater itself, an actual theater, being out of service or roped off. That's a new one. Yeah, and I, I you drop your IMAX theater just a couple of weeks before the biggest IMAX releases of the summer. I think that's uh, a bit silly. Ooh, that is. So, what does it take? And you, I, I see you have had mentioned that there was a long. It took a long time to get the production of Barbie going. Yeah, there was, was that a, because they always were intending it to be IMAX, or was it the script? Or just everything. Honestly, I think it came down to the script. I think that they did it. They were reworking a lot of things marketing-wise. I think that they were trying to find the right balance of, of how to how to sell it. And I think that I mean that, that shows. I think that shows in their marketing that that's where a lot of their chips are placed for that one. Was trying to get the formula for it right and what they wanted to do creatively. And I, I think that that's very clear that they put a lot of work into that that aspect. Okay, I'm going back to the IMAX here again, just because. Yeah obviously the film the actual now here i am by myself talking to myself that's now, that's now here i am by myself talking to myself oh oh i heard a i heard a crack of a can fresh crack yes. is that a beer a coke a wine cooler 
One of them uh, Arnie Palms. The spiked Arnie Palmers? Yeah. Ooh, how is it? I saw that the other day. I wanted to try it, but haven't You should, you should grab some. Yet. I recommend. I, I should grab some? Okay. Yeah, they're quite tasty. Sounds, they sound very refreshing. <laughs> I should do an ASMR ad for it. <laughs> <laughs> we are not sponsored by Arnold Palmer Ice Teas. Regarding iMac. Okay. First off, when they shoot an iMac, Deliberately shoot a movie and I. So there's, Camera, there's a couple cameras layers are definitely there. different, right? D- depends on what you mean. Do you mean okay. shooting? Take, take me through the whole thing. Because one, are they even using actual film anymore when they shoot this, or is it is it a different capture card? What? Take me through when someone says, "Hey, we're shooting this for IMAX with IMAX." What changes in terms of the cinematography on a movie? So set? there are digital equivalents to IMAX that can be distributed to digital. IMAX projection, or if you scan out for whatever reason you would do that, you could also scan out to analog for that. But if you shoot for a large format digitally... When, when we're looking at one that's not, I guess we should do what's the what's the standard default that Hollywood studios go to when they're shooting a movie. We're not, we're not going to shoot IMAX, we're just shooting this regular. What? Well, I think what that meter is kind of moving, so I don't even know if I could say where where that standard is anymore it used to be that the big big releases with the standard was panavision Mm -hmm. 65 mil would be the kind of big big studio release standard but i mean now it's kind of that meter i think has kind of moved a bit with the big digital revolution so i think i think that that's a a more nuanced conversation now so it depends on the cert depends on the project now that's going yeah i mean there's there's projects now that are coming out with sony pardon my burp there's projects coming out. I mean, I know... Brought to you by Arnold Palmer. <laughs> brought to you by Arnold Palmer. I know there were some shots in <laughs> Mad Max Fury Road. I think specifically the Snorri cam footage in the intro sequence was shot on a Blackmagic handheld cam. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I've never even heard of Blackmagic. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I'm actually surprised you haven't. But yeah, they were a big deal right around the right around 2013 when we were coming out of school. Everybody was picking one of them up because you could just jam an SSD into it. It would shoot on comparable format. Hmm. And they picked up real big at that time because everybody was trying to make short films look as, as good as they possibly could they on a could. budget. So. so so, are most people, is, is film not even, actual film stock, is that even being used as much anymore now? It is, but it's, it's, it's expensive. It's tougher to come by. It's not just the film itself. It's the process to properly handle it. The crew who know what they're doing with that are harder and harder to come by. I think it's... That just, it's the whole process that makes it expensive. It's not just necessarily buying film stock, buying the IMAX rigs if you want to shoot an IMAX, the Panavision rigs to do that. I think it's just having people that know what they're doing with that is where the challenge comes into play because it's 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 become a bit of a lost art. Handling that, that footage and handling nitrate film stock is is a finicky process and easily messed up. You, know, you can overexpose your film. You can ruin an entire day's shoot just by mistakenly opening the tent and <laughs> that light in. All right. So if I say to you, and I'll just rather than, I'll just say if I if I want to shoot a movie in IMAX. Now, let me ask you this, counter okay. question. Are you shooting in an IMAX format for digital release? So are you shooting on digital cameras or are you shooting analog for a 70 millimeter per <sighs> What would, if I guess I would go with digital, I guess that would be yeah. the, would that be the easier version to work with? Or yes, is, definitely. Is the, okay. So if, if we're going digital. I think, yeah, I mean, it, that's a, that depends. I think you kind of have to justify it. So it's, I, I do feel that that format, because even, even if you are shooting it digitally, it's. Is, is Barbie shot digitally? Do, do you know it all? Because I, I have no clue. It was shot in Ariel Alexa 65. Format. So the the digital equivalent. Okay. Rather than the actual, okay. What is it? Would you say 70 millimeter is the. So. I'm sure you've seen the behind-the-scenes footage of Dark Knight where they used the IMAX rigs. Yeah. Those IMAX rigs that they used on that are 
IMAX 70 millimeter. So it is larger than the Panavision large format 65 mils. Mm -hmm. And those, I actually have a couple film cells of IMAX lying around. You can look at it side by side. It it is bigger than a standard large format, but I think it's hard. I think IMAX is the most, if you're specifically, if you're shooting 70 millimeter analog with an IMAX rig, I think it's more difficult for sound because I don't know if you've ever heard, I'll have to send you a clip from the shooting of Nope. I think it was last summer. Yes, I believe so. Yes. They also shot that on analog X because Hoyta von Hoytema, actually Nolan's go-to DP was involved and he shot, you know, that's I guess I always thought choice. that shooting on digital or shooting on IMAX would make the cinematography process easier. Sorry for if that's coming through. Do you hear that? No, you're good. I did a little bit. <laughs> So that is the sound of an IMAX rig on set. What is it? Could you actually hear that? I, I heard the, yeah, I heard the, like, it sounded like a shutter almost. Yeah, that's the, that's how loud the shutter is. I don't but, know, I, I guess I always thought that. But that's why it's, that's why they had so many issues with Dunkirk and why Dunkirk is so mixed format because those dialogue yeah. scenes, they couldn't use the IMAX rig. So anytime that they're shooting dialogue back and forth, they were switching back to Panavision because it's not quite as loud with the shutter. Hmm. I never, so that makes sense. And yeah, I would always wonder why sometimes would... You said mentioned Dark Knight. Why would some scenes are well? Dark Knight with the the main reason it was only select scenes was because it was the first Dark Knight was the first time it was ever used on a narrative production. Huh. It was really only used for like Penguin documentaries up until yeah, like, yeah, yeah. That's true. So they they <laughs> I thought it was funny. The first day they had it out, they tried flying it on a steady cam that snapped the arm clean off because they didn't <laughs> accurately account for the weight. Wait, take a look at this nope thing. Man, that is loud. Right. See, it puts it into some better perspective as to why they do that, right? Yeah. It's so strange, too. Having not even been on a set for a while myself, you tend to forget just all the pieces. Yeah. It's a, that it's a moving have to machine. Be brought together. And then everything you have to do in the post production, the three main stages the pre production, the writing, getting everything ready, the actual production, and then the post production. I think it was why <laughs> I think it was why I was just, oh, I just want to stick to writing because I don't, I don't have the strength or the ability to go through all three stages. Of, of a movie making process sometimes yeah it's it's a hurdle it's a decathlon really but but it is if you get it right i gotta say the imax that that grand scope can definitely be worth it i think these directors who are committing to it to especially in the analog form of it you know, jordan peele and christopher nolan especially on that front i mean they're just they're pushing the boundaries with it a lot of people didn't like nope but i thought it, they used such crazy processes on that a lot of people don't know about the day for night on the the shoot did, did you see nope by chance did you i didn't i got to i actually got to tour one of the sets though for oh that's right yeah you would have been out there around that yeah time. i was i just did the the studio tour and they had one of the sets I guess it, it it was a I guess there's a carnival scene or like a fair scene yeah. or something yeah so I got to see that I don't want to blow it for you so I won't say, I won't say okay it. yeah 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 no still it's, it's on my to watch list but yeah I mean they're 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 pushing the boundaries of what that format can do and they I mean for I think they shot all of Nope in IMAX and I think they ADR you can see in that clip. They're shooting a lot of the dialogue scenes for it, and it's they're ricketing away with that shutter. Hmm. And I think they ADR'd almost all the dialogue in the movie just to have the have that format be maximized. And that's that's an insane level to do that, but more power too. So why even then, if you want to shoot an IMAX, why even want to shoot an IMAX? Then is it just because it gets you that that bigger picture? It is. It is honestly visually the the maximum photographic you can pull it. You can pull it. So okay. if you're trying if you're trying to really get that theater experience, I think it pushes that boundary enough that it's worth it for these directors going after that theater experience. Because I'd be interested to see 
to see Barbie in IMAX now. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, you have how many Marvel films have been released in that digital Alexa format, that large format, 65. So I think I'm almost positive that Infinity War and Game were all shot in that. I think so, yeah. So, I mean, that's that's you're getting that digital equivalent for those. And I mean, it, it certainly, it brings a lot to the table in, in all these, these movies that are trying to shoot that way. And you don't have that shutter problem because it's digital, so... I mean, okay. I think I think there's different there's different tools for different things that different directors are going after. And now Nolan going into the the up and the the Heimer part of our Barbenheimer <laughs> segment here. Yeah, Nolan's been definitely we you mentioned Dark Knight, so he's definitely a fan of Dunkirk. He's definitely a fan of I. We got to say right. Oh my, yes. I mean, he from Dark Knight on, he's fallen in love with the format for sure. I think uh, the only film he's done since Dark Knight that didn't include it in some way, shape, or form was Inception. I think. But yeah, I yeah. don't remember if Inception had it or not. I, I remember. Yeah, Inception I was Panavision like, all the way. I'm pretty sure. But I'm gonna now have to do so much fact checking on this episode. What? What's that? <laughs> I said I'm gonna have to do so much fact checking on this episode. <laughs> Yeah, we'll just cut that out or put in a, what do they call it, a tag or something. Yeah. Like, we'll have to ADR this. Yeah. Um, okay, but no, but yes. So he's definitely a fan of, of the IMAX form. And oh my God, yeah. He's the he's the main proponent. Yeah. And going into Oppenheimer now, did he, so I didn't even know that this, he took this from this book that you had, you, you read. American. Yeah, so this American Prometheus, yeah. I have, I don't want to say mixed feelings because that's the wrong word, but it wasn't what I was expecting. I was kind of expecting a more a story. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was just reading a report. An actual, like, okay. It was, it was a very bullet point factual about Benheimer's life. It was kind of from birth. He did this. Da, 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 da. And then on, went. On, 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 on. And it went through just, it, there was no hearsay in it. It read very, very straightforward. It was no real interpretation of anything. It was just like, this thing happened. Then this thing happened. This occurred. There were this, this neighbor told this person, told it was always everything, everything that's in there is accounted for factually in some way, shape or form. So it's very, very straightforward and how it's told, which is, and it kind of just flows through covers, covers bullet point to bullet point, his life from start to finish of everything that is known mm-hmm. be factually true about him. No, and that's interesting because you sent me that article about how Oppenheimer, the Nolan's film coming out, he wrote the script from a first-person perspective. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting too. Having having been through through the the take of the book at this point, it's it, was, it it makes a lot of sense to come at it from that way. And I think with the information that's known about what occurred, I'm that that's an interesting way to play it. And I think it's going to play out largely. I mean, this is speculation at this point at the point of this recording. But they also they also created a new film stock for shooting this for the IMAX format, and it's. They never have had a an actual black and white nitrate to shoot on IMAX. And Hoyta worked with IMAX, the company, to actually create a native black and white film stock because there are whole sequences that they planned from the outset to be black and white, which I, th- I feel is going to be somehow akin to the, f- the structure of Memento, how it kind of mm-hmm. yeah. intercuts. And there's there's that black and white style is given to differentiate the, the different point in time. So I feel like there's going to be something similar to that and the storytelling of it. But I, I think that that kind of balance of technology and storytelling, I, I think, is very interesting. And I think 
Hoyta especially has found interesting ways to flow that into his work. And I, that's partly why I follow him so closely because I feel he's constantly pushing those technological boundaries to make for more and more interesting storytelling. So would you recommend the book for a read? Or like, did, Absolutely. Did it, I mean, okay. I'm, I know at this point it's close to the wire to the release here for the movie. But if you can before seeing it, I do think it will be a nice companion piece to experiencing the movie. I, I knew a fair bit of the history, but I mean, obviously there's only so much that I knew before going through a full account of the man's life. Mm -hmm. But I do feel that there's, there's a lot there that a lot of people have, have glossed over. And I, I had gone, I've in the past, I've seen the movie fat man and little boy. And I've always found it interesting from that, but that movie is largely fiction. I mean, it's, not really taken off of full accounts of history. I mean, at the time of making that movie, a lot of this still hadn't been declassified. There was only so much that was known to be fact. Yeah. So I think I think there was a lot of interpretation with that movie, which is not bad. And I also thought it was interesting. I went back and rewatched it um, in preparation for this, and I I had kind of forgotten that Laura Dern was in it. And just this last time we were talking, the Jurassic Park, nice, yeah, <laughs> nice little tie-in. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and then they completely made up an entire character for that movie too. I mean, John Cusack's character was not not a real person. He was just an amalgamation of other stories that weren't known, but not attributed to any one person because of the classified nature of a lot of what happened. So they just kind of took those stories and pulled them into a fictional character that they made up. So what we're getting then with this upcoming film is, I'm guessing going to be a bit more factual or more less hearsay or yeah and I, I think no one does his research so i think on that front i mean obviously every creator every filmmaker has their own spin and interpretation on things so i mean with a grain of salt but i, I do think we're going to get a more to the point take than mm. some of this some of this some of the ways that this story has been told in the past well the title too for the for the biography for the bi American Prometheus because just yeah Prometheus of course from Greek mythology he steals fire gives it to humans and is punished by the gods so yeah, I, 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 I mean, it's I fitting the title for of him it, too um, it it's fitting for him too because he was so engrossed in studying history especially and chemistry obviously and physics and but I mean he he was it's it's made apparent early on in the book how how much he had an appreciation for just studying in general. I mean, he, he wanted to learn everything. He wanted to just absorb the world's knowledge. And, well, and I think, it, again, this back to what we were talking about, what I mentioned earlier, I was thrilled, might be the word I'm looking for, when there was a palpable reaction from the audience that I shared a movie theater with just from the trailer yeah. of this movie. Because I do think this is something, whether you, whether you end up liking the movie or not, I do think at least knowing just a basic knowledge of this history is important. Um, yeah. Because even I don't know much about what went on. And Oppenheimer helped work on the Manhattan Project on the first atomic bomb program at the end of World War II. And that's pretty much for me where where it kind of ends. I don't. That's one part of. So you, you really don't that, know any about any no. Of like that was the, one part. The dynamism, like, yeah, the dynamism more, between Oppenheimer and General Groves. You, you're not versed in any. Of no, that. I'm not versed in it. I'm interested to see your take on this. Then once once we hit this release coming okay. up, it's yeah. The the it's it's as clear cut a story as I think I've ever seen from what I know on the topic between Groves and Oppenheimer. It's really military versus science mm -hmm. to try and achieve the same goal. Groves is old world at the time of the forties and this, which this actually occurred. He was old world <laughs> from that world, <laughs> old world, United States military. And he yeah. was very bullet point by the, by the book. We're just going to bullhead through this and make it happen where, whereas Oppenheimer 
was very much the loose analytical scientist who wanted to look at the worldview of things and really study every aspect of it. And it was just such an interesting butting of heads from these two drastically different view, viewpointed men <laughs> trying to achieve this goal and how, how they ever got <laughs> to see eye to eye on this project is and especially in the time frame that they had. I mean, they were crunched for time this whole, this whole process. So they were trying to beat the Nazis to the bomb. Yeah. And it, it's definitely, this is definitely one of those, how do you tell, I'm interested to see how do you tell a story like this? Cause you're both adapting it from a book, which is taken from history. But again, you also have to make it entertaining cause you gotta, you gotta have people see it and what you also have to make your money back. So this is definitely, yeah. I, I feel this is one that is a very hard line to walk. And I, th- I think Nolan after Tenet didn't do as well as was expected, I think he has a lot to prove. So I think that this one's going to, I personally think this one's going to hit, but you never know. It's, it's a lot can happen in the next yeah. couple of weeks, but I do, I do think it's going to be a big win for universal. I think Barbie's going to be a big win for Warner brothers. And I, I think that the, just the fact that how many people we know are going to see both of, I think is very interesting. I mean, I think that's going to just, if that's an indication for the box office, I think both are going to do very well. Well, that, that, that would be good. I would, it would be interesting to see if a historical pick takes the top spot convincingly, too. Oh, between the two of them, if I'm being honest, I do think Barbie is going to do better. I think it just hits too many wider demographics. You think so? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. But, Easier to grasp, too, but that, not to take away from. No, yeah. I think I think just the fact that more people are going to take their kids to see Barbie alone. <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't be, hey, you wouldn't take a four-year-old, be like, hey, you want to go see Barbie or Oppenheimer? And they say Barbie, and you're like, well, too bad. <laughs> <laughs> just kind of parade a children's birthday party parading out of there crying uh-huh. hey, i worked in a movie theater you they would you could get some big tips working a birthday party let me tell you let me give you a tip no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> don't take your kids to see open <laughs> never put twinkies on your pizza yep what what is it i don't even know what's how's it gonna look up what's it rated is it rated oh it looks like it is rated r for prolonged full nudity oh oh Oh, all right. That makes his comment to me the other day made a little more sense. He pulled the the sunny quote on me from the, the M Night Shyamalan episode. Oh. He was shooting quotes back and forth to me. <laughs> Nuclear physics. <laughs> that makes better sense now than I've seen that. But definitely, you would re- definitely recommend it for a read. Yeah, I think I think it's a nice read. I think it's a lot of very valuable American history. For one thing, not not to blow it, but I, the ending of the book is is very telling about the state of America at the time and where were things things were heading. It's 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 an interesting read, and I, I do recommend it. As far as I, I'm not typically one to go in for biographies, but I felt he was a figure that was that was one that was worth this read. And I mean, if you're going to read it on this subject, I mean, that is the definitive take. It's it's pulled from the most reliable sources, and I I do think it. While I do f- feel you lose some interpretation with the way that it's told. I think the fact that it is so pointly factually based, I think gives you kind of a very pure take of the information, which I do kind of appreciate on its own right. Nice. As much as that can be a negative at times for the way that it's told, I do believe that it's as much of a benefit as well. Not to get us too wildly off topic, but what have you been? I'm currently reading. (laughs) It's a book called The Recovery Agent. Oh, that sounds interesting. Well, I don't know. It was just more, it was available at the library and it's anytime. So here's, here's what I've come to learn. And I don't know why I didn't fall, I didn't figure this out sooner. Just because it says it's a bestseller, or or if it doesn't say if it's a bestseller, doesn't necessarily mean the 
the book is good or bad. You kind of have oh, yeah. to, which like anything else, you have to kind of decide. Four out of five dentists recommend. Yes. <laughs> but it's, I always like to, because that's, that, that's essentially the dream. I would love to write, publish a book. Yeah. And I'm always like, okay, what, what's current right now? What, what everybody reading at the moment? So I always try to read one for me, one for whatever's currently popular, and then one classic. I kind of try to keep yeah. in that order. I don't always go do well with it, but yeah, I started reading that. And it, it, it's okay so far, but it, yeah. I, I guess for me too, when I see bestseller, I get my expectations just shoot out the window. Yeah. So, But certainly nothing nearly as, what's the word I'm looking for? Heady as American Prometheus. Yeah, I, I, it's, I think as it's such a real take, it's 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 all factual information. So I think it's it kind of hits home a little harder because it's it's all stuff that is bad DNA. Yeah, <laughs> in yeah. American psyche. It's like it's. I think there's a lot to it that hits a little harder that it's all real. No, but definitely interested in, in seeing both of them. Now here's the question: Do you see Barbie first and then Oppenheimer? Oppenheimer then Barbie, or do you go back and forth between the two? Do you buy tickets for both of them and then run back and forth to each theater? <laughs> I like that take. I like I like your third option. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a case to be made for both, but I I think personally I'm gonna see Barbie first, then leave on the sour note of Oppenheimer. Okay. See, I would I would maybe go get get the Oppenheimer first, then lift my spirits back up with Barbie. Yeah, I I, I think softening myself up for the the hard hit is the best way to go. And see, no, me, I'm just a punch me in the face and let's get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I think yeah, I think there's a solid case to be made for each way, but but definitely worth seeing both. Yeah, are you, are you going to be doing the double feature? I guess I have to now. God damn yeah, it! I ruined you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, th- I think it's going to be good. I, th- I think s- some of the best stuff for the summer coming out on the same weekend is pretty cool. Does that now? Do you think does the summer blockbuster still exist? Do you think, or has it changed? Oh, since? I think this is proof positive. Okay, I think that I think that both of these are proof that that's the case. I think we've just, I think at this point, we've been so engrossed in just that continuous flow of content that the idea of one thing breaking through is tougher to wrap your head around anymore. But I think, I think this is an indication that that still exists. I think in the age of streaming, we're just, we've kind of been trained into that constant flow of what's the next thing, what's the next thing. thing? Yeah. It's, and movies have become a little less of an event. And I think, I think having a little flavor of that is a good thing. Yeah. Well, this, this definitely seems to capture a little bit of that event to it because for me i think the last one now would have i think would would have been avengers yeah i think so not too long ago but it, it certainly I mean, seems point, less was me that, that, yeah, that i mean that was a, that was a while ago at this point well yeah that's true i guess it's it doesn't feel like it but it, i mean endgame was 2019 so that was four years ago uh, how did we how did how did that happen exactly right <laughs> The actor Ty Simpkins. That name rings a bell, but I don't think, no. So he's the little kid from the first Jurassic World. Oh, okay. There's apparently, the two of us have done this a couple of times, but I looked at it on Reddit and some stuff, and it's not, it is a bit of a, it's not totally, but there's at least a couple other people out there talking about it. There's a bit of a phenomenon with this kid. And I think what happened was Jurassic World from their production schedule through their post-production schedule was a very long period of time that this kid aged up a few years and the time it took for that to release. Oh, yeah. So by time Jurassic World actually released and 
by time he was shown in Iron Man 3. Yeah. Everyone just kept looking at him as, as this young kid over such a long period of time. And then that he aged up big time uh-huh. and everybody couldn't rationalize that. And people weren't connecting the dots of where uh, he was at because he was in the whale. Yeah. Oh, OK. And just recently he was in the most recent Insidious movie because he was in the first one and they were hearkening back. But yeah, so there was there's a bit of, pheno- of a phenomenon where every time people realize that he's in something, it's I can't be the same kid. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so I, I, I think that one's a little interesting. Yeah, it's like a, it's, a, it's a little bit of a Mandela effect thing, but in a different mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I've, I think that's interesting. Thought, yeah, no, definitely. No, but yeah, if you get the chance, have you seen all of Insidious? Uh, most of them, yeah. If you get the chance, catch up. I, I thought the new one was good. Okay, I watched the newest Evil Dead recently. Yeah, I just I actually just watched that recently. Also, it was I don't know what I was expecting, but I liked it. It was, it was Evil Dead. I was I was fine. With it. Yeah, it was very Evil Dead with absolutely no Bruce Campbell. Yeah, pretty much. The 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 first remake at least had the post credit with him, a little taste. Mm-hmm. There's I, I felt that there was something missing without him. All right. No, I think these two are going to be be a very good summer treat. I think we're going to I think especially if you can make it out to see both of them in one go. I think it's going to be at least just kind of be fun to be part of that conversation. No, it's definitely uh, something to do. Definitely a good, I think, a unique double feature worth worth giving a shot. Yeah, I think so, too. And it's how often do you get something so wildly ridiculous to pair these two drastically different tones? Up not together, not so. often, no. Um, so I think I think that's, there's something fun there. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the train. Come on, ride the train. Let's ride it. I think it's the song for this one. This this odd pairing. Oh, and, uh, my God. Yeah, on that note... <laughs> Turn on the I just podcast play, I just, app now. I just play it. I just play it out with that song. I <laughs> just, actually buy the rights. Yeah, but yeah, no. I think I think if you if you all do do the double feature and come chat with us because I'm I'm certainly excited for. It. Yeah, I'll be interested to hear every, everyone's take on what they think of these films. I actually, yeah, I mean, I would like to touch on them and for a review once once we've had a chance here to, to yeah. check them out for sure. This summer, J. Robert Oppenheimer and Marco Rabiard, Barbenheimer. Don't miss the movie event of the year. Barbenheimer.